Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we continue our journey here along with the Apostle Paul. And so this morning, uh, we're going to begin part one of a two-part study in spiritual gifts. And the moment you say spiritual gifts in a lot of the church, everybody starts thinking kind of like Christian voodoo or something. You know, it's like, spiritual gifts, what's that? Like there's some strange thing that, you know, you have to, you know, have some kind of special prayer said over you or some kind of thing has to happen in your life to where I want to have some spiritual gifts. This chapter lays to rest that thought process because it really lays out very clearly that all of the body of Christ has been given at least one, if not some, and in many cases, many spiritual gifts, and it gives the reason for those. And so this morning, as we embark on part one here in spiritual gifts, I want to hopefully lay to rest some misconceptions, I hopefully bring to light the fact that every one of us is supposed to have at least one or two of those spiritual gifts, and every one of us is to be using those gifts for the basic purpose of building up the body of Christ, edifying the kingdom of God and working those things that God's called us to do. And so this morning, Spiritual Gifts Part 1, would you pray with me as we offer this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the gifts that you've distributed in this body and how they work together as we attempt to accomplish your plans and purposes for this church while we're here on this earth. Pray this morning for those that think maybe they've been passed over. God, that maybe you don't love them as much as perhaps you love someone else that has so many gifts in operation. I pray that you would put that to rest. I pray that each one of us this morning would find that that sweet spot, Lord, where you are at work in our lives the best and the most, and use those things that you're doing in our lives for your glory and for your kingdom purposes. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the glory of the body of Christ, and we pray that you would now work among us by the power of your word, through your spirit. And we pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. Verse 1, and now concerning spiritual gifts. And so he draws our attention immediately to the subject matter before you. And it shouldn't surprise you that Paul moves on now because he's kind of been chastising the church a little bit in a lot of the, the first letters of the church at Corinth. He's, he's addressing these problems. And so now he's going to go on and kind of give us a little bit of the clues on how to fix some of these things. Because like it or not, we're in this together, amen? Anybody that thinks that the, the church can function, the body of Christ can function uh, as an island, or, or it operates in a vacuum that, you know, it's just me and God, uh, is in for a sore awakening at some point in time in your life. Because the body of Christ is perhaps the most valuable and the most overlooked tool that we have available to us in our lives. And very frequently, people like to think that they can kind of go it alone. And it's not only dangerous, but it's counterproductive to the things that God wants to do. And so he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. And if you look at that word spiritual and you analyze what it's really being said, it's, it's really gifts that are in operation by the Spirit. And so as we're going to see a list here in these first 11 verses, it's not... That one came out of nowhere. I was going to sneeze, but decided not to. That's not a spiritual gift. 
spiritual gifts are those things that the Lord would use for his glory. And so when we think about spiritual gifts, a lot of people will look at this list and go, well, I have the gift of prophecy or I have the gift of tongues or I have the gift of exhortation or whatever. Can I say to you that spiritual gifts include the things like you're an auto mechanic and you use it for the Lord. You're, you're a plumber and you use it for the Lord. You're a seamstress and you use it for the Lord. You're a teacher and you use it for the Lord. Spiritual gifting is anything that you can use for the furtherance of the kingdom. It's not just simply confined to these things that are listed here. And in fact, maybe in a general sense, what we need to look at is these things are rather types of giftings. And so what the Lord's saying to us this morning is that we function best when the things that God's given us in our lives are, are in use for his kingdom. And so he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, there was a misconception in the church at Corinth, and I believe there's a misconception largely in the church. And in fact, some churches so emphasize a couple of spiritual gifts that you lose the picture altogether of what's being said here. And so this morning, you know that you were Gentiles. And so he draws us back to that place that we came from. Amen? Always a good thing for us to remember. When I was in the world, when you were in the world, we had things in operation in our lives that defined, in essence, that we were in the world. And so everything we did, we did for generally ourselves. Amen? That's kind of how the world works. And that's kind of the way the world speaks and talks and acts. And so when we think about Gentiles in this context, what he's really saying is before you got saved, before you came to Christ, you used to function in a bit different way. And in fact, you took pride in those things for the wrong reason. And very often, it, it's the problem with the church that we kind of carry that mentality over into the church. And then what happens ultimately is people don't feel fulfilled. They don't believe that they have any value to the church. It's like, well, that guy's a teacher, and so he's better than the person who offers their skills as an auto mechanic to fix people's cars in the body of Christ. Or maybe that, that lady who, who takes those gifts and talents that she has in just simply being able to cook a wonderful meal that goes to somebody's house who's, you know, recovering from, from some type of an injury or illness or hospital stay. Those are all spiritual gifts because the focus is others and pleasing God. It's the easiest way for you to understand this. When your focus is you, or what people think of you, or how people would respond to what you're doing, that's the wrong focus. And so really anything can be used in a spiritual way as a gift if the focus is others and you're seeking to please the Lord. So let's broaden our view of spiritual gifting. For you know that you were Gentiles carried away by those dumb idols, however you were led. And so he uses this picture uh, to try and get us into the right proper frame of mind to realize that when we were before we were saved, while we were still walking in the world, we were kind of carried away by the way the world worships. What does the world worship today? world worships self, doesn't it? The world worships power. The world worships possessions. The world worships position. So when we were 
not in Christ, we were carried away by trying to please the idols of this world, self and power, possession, position, those things which would really please us. We were led that way because that's our bodily appetites. Those are the spiritual things that uh, were part of the world system that we used to walk in. And therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And so he draws attention to you now have a different master. And therefore, you have a different worldview. You have a different understanding of the world around you. And that world around you contains all of the things that really Scripture declares ought to be those things which are the child of God and the character of the child of God now at work in the world. So I work differently. I act differently. I think differently. And so he says, no one who has the Spirit of God in them, in other words, calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by... The Holy Spirit. So he's drawing this picture that we're kind of all in this together. As the family of God, there's only one Lord. Amen? As the family of God, there's only one faith. There's only one hope. There's only one baptism. That Ephesians 4 picture of the body of Christ. And because there's only one, and because there isn't two, there's not three, there's not 9,000, there's only one body of Christ, we should all be seeking to fill our part in that body. And he's going to go on to elaborate on this in the second half of the chapter. We need each other. And in fact, the way God has gifted you, and perhaps the way God's gifted me, gifted us, provides for something that is greater than us as individuals. That is the beauty of the gifts of the Spirit at work in the church. And so he says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. For there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And so he shows this beautiful picture in essence of unity and diversity working together. There is a unified whole that we have one Lord. There's only one God. There's one Jesus Christ. There's one Spirit. So there's one in essence. But that that one is made up of this tremendous diversity that's us. That we ourselves, not everyone in here is a worship leader, amen? Not everyone in here has the gift of pastor-teacher. Not everyone in here has the gift of knowledge necessarily or the gift of wisdom. But there are some in the church that do. And sometimes many people have that specific gift. But the goal is, is that the church be built up because as the church is built up, then the church has more power to go do things for God. If we're all relying on me, how much work do you think we're going to do in the world? Not much. And here's why. I have human limitations. I don't have all of the gifts necessary to minister to every need. And in fact, my gifts complement yours, yours complement mine. We each complement each other. And without all of the gifts that are distributed in the body of Christ, we actually are disadvantaged. 
That's why not all of us should become pastor teachers. That's why not all of us need to be worship leaders. That's why not all of us have been given the gift of being an auto mechanic or a seamstress or a teacher or whatever in the kingdom. There are differences of gifts, and those gifts complement one another. That's how the church has been designed by God to function. Some of you are medical people. Some of you have uh, skills of maybe legal issues or financial issues. Some of you have a tremendous ability to work with children. Others of you have uh, the gift of being able to to build things and maintain things. Do you see what I'm saying? It's so important that we recognize that each of us has been given some gifting by God, and that gifting has been given so that the church would be greater as a whole than it is as individuals. We accomplish greater things. And so he's going to point out this spiritual principle. The problem is, and and this is where the, the issue of the problem actually is, is that we can almost mess up anything that God gives us. Amen? If you don't believe that, look at church history. The, the church has been given all these wonderful gifts and talents and skills, and we sit there and we argue and we fight about who has what and who doesn't have this, and, oh, well, we speak in tongues and we don't speak in tongues, and we, you know, we, oh, we write, we use the King James, only the King James. Oh, you use the message Bible. Oh, no. You know, and you have all this division that, that happens because people don't realize that all of those parts are this part, part of the same one and only body. Amen? There's only one body of Christ in the entire world. Does everybody get that picture? There's exactly one. There are not ten. There's not fifteen. There is one body of Christ. And even though there are many members, we're all part of the one body. And that's why it's, amen, thank you, Jesus. Because I can tell you there are deficiencies with me. I won't speak for you. There's deficiencies with me. In my life, there are things that I don't do well and actually can't do well. And so, spiritual gifts can be misused. They've been around for a long time. In fact, the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2 said that after I poured out uh, that latter rain, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Don't freak out. Yes, ladies actually can have the gift of prophecy. Sometimes people are, oh, you know, it's a guy. It's not a guy gift. The gift of teaching is not a guy gift. The body of Christ is made up of tremendous diversity. And God distributes to those people whom he wills these gifts. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions in those days. I will pour out my spirit on the servants of the Most High. Men and women alike. Read that passage there in Joel chapter 2. You see, Peter would go on to quote from that very passage in the book of Acts when he preached that amazing sermon in Acts chapter 2 where 3,000 people got saved. He would actually use that. And I believe there's a reason for it. Because ultimately it gives importance to every last one of us. Amen? Some people feel like, well, where do I fit in the body of Christ? You fit exactly where God has made you. You fit in that place that God uniquely crafted for you. And because he uniquely crafted you, it's like probably most of you ladies don't play with Legos, but us guys, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can't resist it. The bucket of Legos comes out and you grab a few and you start putting them together. 
If you've ever noticed the most complex things, and you ladies have probably seen some of these creations, normally if they're made by young children, they're weapons of some kind, but when you pull out Legos, it takes all these little different tiny shaped blocks to, to create these massively wonderful things. And in fact, when you go there to, to Toys R Us and you go in the Lego section, it's like $8 million for the Star Wars Death Star Lego thing, you know, and you pull that down and it says it has 11,000 pieces to it. It's a picture of the body of Christ. Because here's what happens, because we've had this happen in our house. You pull out the box, and it's the Star Wars Starfighter, and you pull out all the pieces, you dump them on the floor, the dog eats three of them. And now you get down, and you're ready to complete the project, and you realize you do not have the three pieces that you need to finish it, and consequently it doesn't, and your kids know this, Dad, that's not a Star Wars Starfighter. Because we have now a purple one where a blue one belongs, or it's a long one instead of a short one, and it just doesn't work. It's a picture of the body of Christ. Every one of us, though it seems like, when you look at the pile of Legos, it's like, man, I don't need all those. And they're kind of boring. That one's square, and that one's square, and that one's square. They're just different colors. It's boring. But without all of the parts, you can't accomplish what God has intended for his church. We all have a place in this, in this wonderful puzzle called the body of Christ. And now concerning spiritual gifts as we go through these 11 verses. I don't want you to be uninformed. The word gifts here comes from the Greek word charismata, and it's the root word from which we get charis or grace. And so they are grace gifts. And if they're grace gifts, guess where they come from? They come from the one who's the author of grace in your life. They're grace gifts. They're Christ's gifts to the world. Did you know you're a grace gift? You, as a child of God, are a grace gift. You're a gift to your family. You're a gift to your church. You are a gift to the world. You are a grace gift. You have been given skills and talents. Maybe it's tutoring. Maybe it's some kind of medical profession. Maybe it is you own a carpet cleaning business. Maybe it, There are all kinds of things that if you look at it, man, I just want to be part of this puzzle that is the body of Christ, and I want to be used in a way that God's grace is manifest. They're charismatic gifts. They're spiritual gifts. Now concerning those gifts, don't want you to be ignorant. <laughs> We're all walking underneath the Lordship of Jesus, amen? So if he's the author of grace by faith, and we are all his kids, do you think that he has any throwaway parts? The answer is no. We all have a place in the kingdom. He's God. He's perfect in all he does. And so the way he created you, he created you uniquely to fit in your spot. The question becomes then, what's my spot? Where am I supposed to fit? What do I do in the body of Christ? Where do I go in this, in this giant puzzle? You, you see, the idols that they previously worshipped, you were valueless. Amen? In the world, how much value do you have? 
Let me clue you in. Read the obituary page. You got zip value. You're going to get a little tiny thing about this big. It's going to say, Jeff lived on such and such a time. He was born on July 11th, 1955. He croaked and he's dead. That's it. That's the sum and total of your life as far as the world's concerned. The world doesn't care about you. And in fact, the world wants to throw you away. And if you don't believe that, look around the world and look at the valuelessness of life. That's why I couldn't be a Buddhist. That's why I couldn't be a Hindu. That's why I could not be anything but a Bible-believing Christian, because it's the only place that all people have equal value. Because we're all in need of Christ. There's not some higher plane. There's not some cluster that's the exalted ones. We're all ultimately saints, and every one of us matters. And without each other, we operate a deficit. One faith, one hope, one Lord, one baptism. Again, that Ephesians 4. And what he's not talking about here is someone who simply mouths the name or the phrase, Jesus is Lord. Why when people come to, well, you know, I said Jesus is Lord one time, so I must be saved. Not a chance. I've heard, I've heard Leno, I've heard Bill Maher say Jesus is Lord in a derogatory way. So it's not about mouthing some special words. It's about living that life that God's called you to live. And being what God's called you to be and me to be. It's important that we recognize that. And God knows exactly what he's doing. Back to my example of those crazy Lego projects. You lose the, the, the instructions for those things, you are dead. You need the instruction manual because it fills you in on where you fit. It fills you in on what we should look like. Gives you a picture of how this body actually functions. You know, because us guys, we never read the instructions for anything fully. Amen? We just don't. We all think we know what's going on and how it functions. And, well, actually, I could have built this. We pull it out. And you've been down that road. Any of you ever buy that stupid furniture that you have to put it together when you get home? You need the instructions for that stuff. Amen? Because you always get down, it looks like it's really simple, and here's the leg, and here's the tabletop, and here's the little screw inserts, and you grab them, and you put them together, and you realize that there's a certain order to the way those things have to be put together. You can't just make it up as you go. Because what happens, you get down to the end of it, and you set the table up, and all of a sudden, it just boom, the legs fall off of it. Yeah, Amen. It's a picture of the body of Christ without the instruction manual. All of a sudden, well, I'm just operating over here by myself, doing whatever I want. All of a sudden, the table falls over. Yeah, we, we function best as a unified whole, that God is at work in us. And he says, now I tell you that there's no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God that says Jesus is a curse. Our commonality is grace. Amen? So Jesus is the reason we have God's grace, his unmerited favor. Amen? You have to see this. And as a child of grace, which is unmerited favor, amen? Nail this, because if you don't see the unmerited favor part of grace, you won't see where you fit in the kingdom. Because if you think, like I used to, well, that church is just blessed to have me. 
because I am so great. I mean, who wouldn't want me? You see, if you miss the grace part, then you don't ever figure out where you fit because you're still stuck on you, which is the God of this age and not the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And the other thing that will happen is all of a sudden those people who don't have the gifts you have, maybe they've got some other gift you don't have. And that gift is the gift of suffering. That gift is the gift of poverty. Do you ever think about those things being gifts? I can tell you, if you've traveled much, you understand what I'm saying right now. Because there are people who can teach you more than you probably want to know about what it means to live a life for Christ who have nothing. Now you'd be saying, oh, I don't want that gift. But you still need to be instructed in that gift. And so you'll be saying, well, hey, I have these gifts. They have the gift. Man, God must not even like them. They've got the gift of suffering. Wow. You mean I can learn something? I can have inputted into my life more of the character of Christ? Do you realize that your Bible says that we have been called to the fellowship of suffering with Jesus? Well, none of us really like that one. But it's essential. And so sometimes when our missionaries come out of the field and they share with us what's going on in their lives, aren't we all better for it? Aren't we all changed? Don't our our little puny minds all of a sudden spin a little differently? Mm -hmm. That's the body of Christ at work. And the Lord knows who can handle those things. You see, you probably couldn't handle that gift of suffering, and so you don't have it. You, you couldn't handle that gift of poverty, so you don't, ha- you don't have that gift. God knows that it, it just isn't for you, but he does give those gifts to some people. How many people do you know that maybe they contracted some kind of cancer, and it's incurable, and they're going to die, and yet they still possess joy? They're still loving. They're still kind. They're still others-focused. That is a gift, and you're growing from it. We need to be careful. Because it's all about Jesus as the Lord. And I can cry out Jesus as Lord as I'm doing construction consulting. And there's the person who can cry out Jesus as Lord while they're going through that umpteenth billionth chemo. And see, I can help in one place and they can help in another. You get the picture? We need each other. Without each other, we're so weak. You see, it's really our hope because we're all dependent upon the same Lord. Verses 4 through 6 give us a picture that I want you to pick up very briefly here. There are diversities of gifts. In other words, they're multifaceted. And there are many of them. They're not simply confined to this list that's coming up next, but the same Spirit. Notice the Trinity at work here. The same Spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. So you have the Spirit, you have the Son, who is the Lord, and you have God the Father, who is God, mentioned here, at work in all. In other words, the fullness of what you have received, because you are a child of God, is at work in you, providing, notice the the thing that links these all together, diversities, differences, and diversities again. In other words, Tremendous diversity is what God has in view when he sees his church. That's in every way, shape, or form. Everything you can think of fits in those categories of diversities. 
broaden your picture. Broaden what the Lord would speak to us this morning. But there is one Spirit, one Lord, and one God who's at work in all of this. And so, very simply stating, he uses great specialization in tremendous diversification. Amen? He's greatly specialized while extremely diverse. And so each part is necessary. That's where you all come in. That's where we function best as a church. There are people that love to go into those situations that are you would look at and go, man, I'm not going there. There are people that would love to travel to those uttermost parts of the earth. And there are people that can't even imagine traveling to the uttermost parts of the earth. There are people who have much, and there are people who have little. And so in this tremendous specialization, God sees tremendous diversification. Because each one of those component parts actually have a function in the whole. And they're unique where they are, and they're more wonderful when you combine them together. And so there's tremendous uh, ability for each of us to be used. Explains that all these gifts come from exactly one source. Verse 7 says in the New Living Translation, a spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Amen. We put up a couple of bulletin inserts, didn't we? For helps and sound ministry, all those kind of things. Those are places where you can be used of the Lord. We're constantly wanting to see God work in, in people's lives. May stretch you. May bend you. You might actually have to get up a half hour earlier on Sunday. You see, sometimes we look at spiritual gifts as well. You know, I can... I can model clay into pictures of the disciples. You know, it's like that's, that, that's a spiritual gift, or I'm artful, or whatever. All of those things actually are spiritual gifts, by the way, but they're not the only ones. People are, well, you know, I can't, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, I don't really have any gifts. Yes, you do. question is, you probably haven't found out what they are yet. And that should be what we're seeking to, to find. Every believer has at least one, and most believers have more than one. For some, or for one, is given the word of wisdom, it says in verse 8, through the Spirit. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, because I think that's been largely the problem of the church. They start to classify these into the sign gifts. They classify them into the, you know, the more exhaustive, definitive way that we look at these things. And I don't even think it's helpful. It says the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another healings by the same Spirit. What you need to do is circle the Spirit there. The same Spirit administers every single gift there is. And we could spend some time on these individually, of course. I don't believe that's what the Lord wants us to do this morning. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. 
How messed up has the church become because of focusing in on the gift, the charismatic gift, I'm speaking of tongues. And yet it clearly says that not everyone's going to have that gift. And so people run around, well, you know, I can't speak in tongues. I've never spoken tongues. I've had people tell me that they don't believe that God's at work in their life because they haven't spoken in tongues. It's because not everybody has the gift of tongues. And if it was a sign of salvation, everybody would have the gift of tongues. Amen? But what it does say here is maybe some of you, just as Peter, uh, again, reminded us, maybe you've got the gift of language. Maybe somebody else has the gift of interpretation, but the one and the same Spirit works in all these. Notice this and circle it, underline it, highlight it, in all these things. That's the important part. Not what gift you have, but that you have a gift and you let the Spirit of God work through you in all these things. That you take your rightful place in the picture that God is creating distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so he says that maybe some of us are, are going to have the gift of pastor-teacher, or maybe some of us perhaps as an evangelist, or maybe some of us will be able to perform miraculous things. And I've seen all of these at work. I myself personally have the gift of pastor-teacher. That is a spiritual gift that I have. I have the ability to communicate the truth of God. And I know that's a gift I have, and I use that for the kingdom. But it doesn't mean that's the, the best gift. It doesn't mean it's the only gift. It doesn't mean if you don't have that one, you're somehow less than me. That's crazy thinking. Because you know what I'm grateful for right now? A whole bunch of other gifts that I don't personally have. I'm not running the soundboard right now, Jerry is. I'm also not taking care of the PowerPoint things. Lisa was doing that earlier. I'm not overseeing the children's ministry. I'm not in there teaching the kids. I'm not in the nursery right now. And I could not stand here without everyone else using the gifts that they have there. Do you see the picture? What I do would be diminished by others not doing what God's called them to do and exercising those gifts. Now, if you've ever seen me with babies, it's not a good idea to, to leave your children with me for long periods of time. They'll be happy because I'll feed them sugar. I will take, we'll do crazy things. They'll, they'll probably, their lives will be in jeopardy most likely. You, you see, I don't have that gift. Now, when they get a little bit older, I'm pretty good at that. But I got a little window of time there. It's like, no, don't have Jeff in the nursery. I'll be bouncing, tossing him in the air. That's what I like to do with little kids. And they scream and yell, but they get whiplash and it hurts their body parts and stuff. You know, it's just not, I don't have that gift. Hallelujah for those that do. You, you see, we need to find that place where God's at work and using us. He uses helps and governments. You, you realize this church is filled with people who have this gift. The elders of this church, the board of this church, have the gift of helps and governments. They govern the things of God. 
They look at them for a spirit, from a spiritual perspective. They use that wisdom that the Lord's anointed them with. They look at the stuff that's being done in the church and how we do it, and they exercise that gift. You need to be very thankful for those people in the church that exercise that. You have women in this church with the gift of teacher. Many of them. Go on the website. You're going to find there's a whole bunch of ladies' teachings on there. Guys, you might actually learn something. Why am I saying that? Because that diversity is necessary for the growth and the prosperity of the body of Christ. We need to be thankful for it. And we need to be a part of it ourselves. There are several speaking gifts here. And and quite frankly, I think they're overemphasized in the church. They're not overemphasized in this passage. They are listed like everything else is listed. Tongues and the interpretations of tongues, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge. But notice it's followed up with the giving and the showing of mercy. I am so thankful for the people who have the gift of mercy. And showing it. It's a practical gift. It's being there when people are going through difficult times. The discerning of spirits. By the way, that could be condensed down to godly biblical counseling. Very often you're discerning the Spirit of God. When you take out the Word of God, it was written by Him, amen? Authored by the Spirit of God. And as you impart this to people's lives, you are actually discerning the Spirit for them. That's why when I, I've told you many times that you can counsel any time. Use God's word. It's a discerning of the spirit because God's already spoken on so many things. Somebody comes to you, well, you know, do you think I should go into $8 million in debt to buy this house? No. Scripture clearly says, let a man not be a borrower or a lender. doesn't mean you can't have a mortgage or anything like that. But if you're going to be indebted to it to where you have to serve those things, you can help someone discern the spirit of God. That boyfriend, that girlfriend, decides they want to move in with one another prior to marriage. You can help them discern the Spirit of God. It's not of the Lord. It's going to harm you. It's not going to help you. It won't be beneficial. You see, you can use those things. But I can tell you this. Very few people, if ever, if any, are actually built up by the speaking in a prayer language or what is commonly called the charismatic gift of tongues. Matter of fact, it's actually really not a public gift as far as I can see it in Scripture. It's a private prayer language. It's actually mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as the language of angels. In other words, there's some other way that maybe they speak before the throne of God. And so could it be beneficial in some place? Yeah. But I'll tell you what's more beneficial. More people were discerning the Spirit of God by taking the Word of God and imparting it to other believers We'd be a lot better off than a bunch of people wandering around, uh, should have bought a Hyundai, bought a Honda, you know, I don't know. Speaking in some unknown tongue that needs an interpretation for it to be beneficial to the body of Christ, I think that would actually be a lesser gift, not, not a gift that everyone should be, oh man, I just need to speak in tongues. But I can tell you what all of us need to be able to do, rightly divide the word of truth. Be able to minister mercifully to those who are in need. You, you see, the picture really kind of paints the opposite of what traditionally the church, the organized church, has done. You see, then all of us have a place if we use it rightly, if we look at this passage correctly. 
I don't really care whether it's the speaking gifts, the sign gifts, or the serving gifts. I just care that you have one, you use it. You see, I think that's what God's concerned with as well. And I think the best way to look at this is it's kind of like a starting point. And so here's a few things I'd leave you with this morning. Ask God to increase your usefulness. It's a simple prayer. It's like, Lord, make me more useful for your kingdom. And here's why I'm asking you to pray this way. Because if you need the gift of tongues to be useful, he'll give it to you. If you need the gift of administration, he'll give it to you. If you need the gift of pastor teacher to perform what he has called you to do, he will give it to you. Because he delights to give good gifts to his kids. Amen? That's what his word plainly says. And those are good things. So if you need it, God will give it to you. So ask him to increase your usefulness. Second thing, seek some opportunities to actually use those things you have. Because he's not going to give you more until you use what you already have. It's the way it works in the kingdom. Sow bountifully if you want to reap bountifully. Use what you've got for the kingdom. To whom much is given, much is required. So if he's going to give you a bunch of gifts, he expects you to use them. A lot of people are kind of like a, you know, some type of savings plan that, that ultimately pays no dividends. You just end up, it's kind of like the parable of the talents. Well, I knew you'd be a harsh master, so here's your talent back. Ask God for those opportunities. Another thing that you can do, watch other people and how God's using them. Remember? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow the Lord. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about anyone in the body of Christ. You can say, man, I can see the love of the Lord at work in their life. Follow them. Ask those people that you've served and that you want to serve with to, to discern what it is your gifts are. One of the greatest things that I've ever had in operation in my life from this practical perspective is to touch base with some pastor friends and say, what do you see at work in my life? What gifts do you think I have? You'd be surprised sometimes what other people can see in your life that you miss in you because you're so down on yourself. Because you don't think God can use you. Because you bought into the lies of the enemy. Because perhaps you've received some poor teaching on this subject. And you don't think God can use you. Ask somebody. You're going to be shocked sometimes to see what they find. And I can tell you this, most of the time they've been right in my life. Jeff, you, you, you've got this gift, but you're not using it. God wants to use you in that area, but you're not bold enough to step out in faith. And then Practice. The old axiom, practice makes perfect, is a spiritual truth, by the way. Because you're supposed to practice kingdom living because you're going to be perfect at the end. Amen? So as we practice the things of God, ultimately, it's called sanctification, by the way, in a biblical sense. We become more saintly, more Christ-like, with the goal of becoming perfect when we one day get to heaven. So practice. You realize God doesn't keep any score for our failures? Isn't that awesome? His word declares that, doesn't it? He says, I remember not your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. So when you biff it, you blow it, maybe you use something you, you meant well, but you did wrong. Anybody ever do that? If you don't read Romans chapter 7, 
For those things which I will to do, I do not do. And those things which I will not to do, those very things that I do. So I find this thing works in me, man. I've got on one hand, I want to do right, but I don't do it. God understands that. The whole chapter speaks to that issue. But God still wants to use us. He still has a plan for your life and for mine. And I, and I want to just encourage you. Be open. Be ready. Be willing. Step out in faith. Let God work in your life. Use those things that God's done for His glory. Don't hide them under a bushel basket. Amen? Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify, guess who? Your Father who's in heaven. Anything you do can be used for God's glory if He receives the glory for it because you've given Him the credit for it. That's why when people ask, well, you know, I was down at your church, I almost invariably correct them. It's not my church, it's God's church. This is not my church. This is God's church. I'm privileged to pastor it, but it's not my church. I'm just a part. And God wants you guys to play your part as well. And I pray you find great joy in that. The Holy Spirit will give you gifts if you ask. And the Holy Spirit will give you joy and service if you use those gifts. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this church, your church, your people. God, that so lovingly and, and carefully serve and, Lord, minister. And, Lord, I thank you for those gifts that you've distributed. And I pray, Lord, maybe there's somebody here this morning who's just felt like they don't have any use for your kingdom. Would you speak truth into their life, cause them to see those areas where you want to use them and to find joy in serving you. And so, Lord, as we ponder these spiritual gifts, these things that we could use for your glory, let us broaden our perspective. Lord, help us to to look for new and exciting and and fresh ways uh, to minister while we await your return. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the beauty of the body of Christ. It's in his precious name, Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.